Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello, and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode number 41 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Episode XLI. Oh yeah, 41. We're into the proper Roman numerals now, that's for sure. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support and listening to this podcast. I hope you are enjoying listening to it as much as I am recording it. And if you are a brand new listener, you're very, very welcome along. <clears throat> I beg your pardon. Listen to this episode, check it out. If you like it, why not go by right back to the beginning and see what we're building up to here on close to a year now of podcasts, 41 episodes, 41 scripts. It's very gratifying and it's great, very, very cool to be able to say that each and every time. If you enjoy the podcast, please do follow me on Instagram at firesidebard, all one word. Or uh, if you really, really want to support the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash firesidepodcast. We have got some very exciting news stewing at Fireside Towers, um, which I'm hoping to be able to reveal, if not next week, then definitely the week after. Some very, very exciting news. That is a big, big boost, big jump forward for this podcast, and it's very, very exciting to be able to even talk about talking about it. So I won't dilly-dally anymore about that until I can give you all something a bit more concrete. The story we are tackling today is another folktale, one I found in Sean O'Sullivan's Folktales of Ireland book, which has increasingly come back more and more into my life. For those who listened a few weeks ago, you'll know that this is one of the this is one of my main sources of folktales, this book. It's probably my favourite book of folktales, certainly, that I found. And I thought I had lost it, and it turns out it was under my bed the entire time, which shows you how infrequently I search under my bed. But I found it, and the last few folktales have been from it, and I've loved having it back into my life. They're brilliant versions. They're very easy to adapt, and I've plenty more where that came from in terms of this book because now by the time this episode comes out so this episode will come out tomorrow I think yeah um so we're still in September of course but as we enter as we enter the final weeks of September I basically want to dedicate all of October to to scary stories and folk tales I want stories about banshees, about ghosts, about pukas, all the like, and do a whole month of Halloween themes here on Fireside, concluding with, I hope, a Halloween special episode. 
which uh, which I have plenty of ideas for, and I want to keep that brewing in my head before I talk about that in a more concrete way. But yes, I really want to look forward to doing uh, a Halloween special and a whole month on Halloween podcasts. So with that in mind, next week we'll edge towards the end of the historical cycle. I want to finish off the King cycle of Irish mythology, do the month of stories of Halloween and ghost stories, and then I want to dedicate the rest of the year to the Ulster cycle, to the final cycle of Irish mythology. We are entering the end game now here, people. The Ulster cycle, the story of Queen Maeve of Cúchulainn. This is the big leagues we're about to enter, and I can't wait for it. But first of all, we have this story of the fairy wife, which is a, a lovely little tale that I found plenty in it couple of elements that have come up in other stories before that really made it stand out for me and I hope you all enjoy it. We'll chat a bit more about it afterwards but this is The Fairy Wife on Fireside. The Fairy Wife Once upon a time in the area of northwest Donegal they called the Rosses there lived a young man in a cottage near a cliff. Every day he would sit outside and feel the wild Atlantic wind blow and smell that salt air as he strained the spuds. Now, to strain the spuds is an Irish colloquialism for having a wee, but here I genuinely do mean he would strain actual potatoes. One day, a beautiful young woman came to the cottage. The boy didn't get many visitors out his way, so he always enjoyed the conversation. The two found out they got on quite well, and so the young spud strainer plucked up the courage to say, Would you like to come inside, out of this wild wind? To which the answer was a smile, with the words, No, thank you. I don't think I'll come inside today. The spud strainer felt rejected, and went back to straining his spuds. But the very next day, the mysterious girl returned. Oh, uh, hello. Did you change your mind about coming inside the house? No, I don't think I'll go inside today either. The two conversed once more, and then the girl walked away once more. On the third day, the spud strainer was beginning to feel confused. Who was this girl? When the woman arrived, he said, I find it strange that you've come to talk to me out here in all of the northwesterly elements, but when I invite you inside, you refuse. You can see how it does feel a bit like mixed messages. I think I will go inside today. The boy blinked, smiled, and said, I didn't invite you in today. Oh, I see. Can I come in anyway? I suppose you may. The mysterious girl and young spud strainer went into the cottage, and sure enough, they fell in love, were married, and a year later to the day they were living happily in the cottage with a newborn baby boy. How's that for Swift? In a nearby village called Glenties, so named because it's situated at the point where two glens meet, a harvest fair was being held. The spud strainer had uncles who lived there, so he decided to take the opportunity to visit the fair and see his uncles. His wife stayed home to mind the baba. But when the spud strainer arrived at the harvest fair, there was a strange atmosphere in the air. He felt everyone was looking at him, but trying not to. They were whispering behind his back. He had never thought himself a paranoid man, but at this fair he felt incredibly self-conscious. 
Eventually, the young man found his uncles. They behaved as if they didn't know him and tried to avert their gaze. Until eventually, an incredulous spud strainer grabbed one of them and said, Why are you all ignoring me? And why are these total strangers staring at me and whispering about me? What have you been telling them I've done? And what have I done? You know well what you've done, said the uncle. Sure aren't you after shacking up with a fairy? A what? The spud strainer was a man of simple means and pleasures, but he was by no means stupid. His wife had always seemed aloof and elusive. It was the enduring mystery of her that was part of why he had fallen in love with her in the first place. But at no time or at any stage had he thought that his wife was one of the other folk. But much like anyone who knows the cruel sting of discovering they've been cheated on, the spud strainer knew this statement to be the truth. Maybe he had always known, but refused to believe it. Nevertheless, his reply was, And so what if she is? What business is that of yours? You can't marry a fairy lad. It'll only end in misfortune for you. And that may be all well and good for you, but you risk cursing the entire family, and we can't have that. Here, another uncle leaned in. Take this. The man handed the spud strainer a parcel. The young man unwrapped the paper and string to reveal a large knife. What the hell are you giving me this for? It's a black-handled knife. They protect mortals from fairies. Just think of it as an overdue birthday and Christmas present. Who knows? Maybe I'll never need it. But obviously, it would help us all out a great deal if you went home and used it to murder your wife. Uncle! Nephew. We speak harsh but true... truths. The fairy must die or it'll be all of our heads. And we can find you a lovely mortal Glenty's girl for you to marry and raise your baby with. Should he not have to kill the baby too? Is It is half fairy after all. Let's walk before we can run here, boys, yeah? The spud strainer could listen no more. He turned from his uncles and made his way home, but he took the black-handled knife with him. On the walk home, the young man thought over all his uncles had said. He chose to ignore them and never speak of any of this again. He knew his wife. He loved his wife, and she loved him. He trusted her completely, and if no one else could see that, that was their loss. At this point he realised he still had the knife in his hands. With all his strength and the athleticisms he didn't possess, the spud strainer hurled the knife into the tallest, deepest field he could see. When the spud strainer returned home, wife and child were waiting. Welcome home, my love. How was the harvest fair? It was okay. I didn't see anything I liked, though. Very glad to be home. Don't lie to me. Whoa! What are you talking about? I know you met your uncles, and they chastised you for marrying a fairy. How do you know that? Were you spying on me? No, I was here with the baby. But I have gifts. I know these things. I should be angry with you. You never told me that you were a fairy. I didn't want to. I loved the way you looked at me. I wanted to live as a mortal without the pressures or fears of being perceived as one of the other folk. Perhaps it was selfish of me, but I swear on my child I've never used magic on you and that our love is real. But still, I must leave you. What? Why? Your uncles gave you a black-handled knife, didn't they? 
Yes, but, but I threw it away. That may be, but you still took it from them. That means that either some conscious or subconscious part of you agrees with them and contemplated the thought of killing me. Even if you made a decision not to, what's to stop you changing your mind? This house is no longer safe for me, or our child. We must go. Where will you go? Oh, we'll be fine. But if you do indeed love me and our child as you say you do, leave a candle lighting in your kitchen each night with food on the table for us both. And, and what about me? What will I do? Oh, you'll continue to strain your spuds and then marry some mortal young one your uncles approve of. And with the final word on the matter... The fairy picked up their baby and vanished from the cottage. The spud strainer was distraught, but when his uncles heard of the fairy wife's departure, they were all delighted, and it was not long before they found a new prospective wife for their nephew, who they felt was much more suitable than the fairy. The spud strainer had no desire to marry again, as he felt his heart would always belong to the fairy who had given him a child, a child he would now never know the joy of raising. But the uncles were persistent, and the spud strainer was too defeated to fight them off. So reluctantly, he married again. Despite the new marriage, the husband kept his word to his beloved first wife, and always left a candle lighting and food at the table for them. And while he never saw the fairy or their child each and every morning when he would arise, the candle would be out and the food gone. Like Christmas morning with the sherry and cookies. And carrot for Rudolph, of course. But one night came where the spud strainer's new wife awoke in the middle of the night with an awful thirst on her. So she went downstairs for a glass of water, when who should be sitting at the kitchen table but a strange and beautiful woman and a young baby. They were both eating a lavishly prepared meal. The mortal wife thought she was still dreaming and so began to laugh at the absurdity of the image. The laugh was not well received. Funny, is it? said the fairy wife. I'll make you cry for that laugh yet. The fairy wife took the child, left the house, and never returned. Years passed, and the mortal wife thought no more of the apparition. She hadn't even told her husband. The spud strainer became very wealthy through savvy investment in cattle and sheep, but just at the point where he felt he had reached a satisfactory level of wealth, the livestock of the spud strainer began to perish. One by one, sheep by cow began to drop dead until all the man had left was a mare and her young foal. The spud strainer and his mortal wife did everything they could to protect the last of their prospects. But a day came where a madness seemed to come over the mare, and she galloped off and over a cliff's edge, plummeting to her death. With the suicide of that horse, all the spud strainer had left in the world was that one little foal. He vowed that he would never let harm come to it, and that if it was the last thing he did, he would become prosperous once more. So the spud strainer took the foal out to Tory Island off the Donegal coast, and kept the foal there wrapped in the frugal Irish equivalent of bubble wrap. After another year or two, times managed somehow to get even tougher, and the spud strainer and his mortal wife were forced to sell their one remaining foal. So the husband took the young horse to market. On his way, the horse and man passed a cottage. 
From inside came a small boy who ran in front of the two travellers. Mister, I'll give you a fiver for your horse. Ah, lad, it's worth at least twice that. Tell you what, mister, you take that horse to market, and if you're offered more than a fiver, take it. But if you're not, you bring that couple right back here. All right, son, you have yourself a deal. The spud strainer took the horse to market and stayed for the whole day, but was not offered even a penny more than five. So when night approached, he decided that fair was fair, and he would sell it to the boy from the cottage. When he arrived, he knocked on the door, the boy answered, and the spud strainer was invited inside. In the corner of the cottage, beside a roaring fire, sat the fairy wife. It had been close to ten years, but he knew her at once. For one, the spud strainer had been ravaged by those ten years, but his wife had not aged a day. My wife, my love, it's you. I'm not your wife anymore. You always will be, replied the spud strainer. Boy, give the man his five pounds. The young boy obliged. Now give him five more. The boy did so. And five more. The spud strainer could not believe it. Then his former wife said, Take this money, and you will soon be rich again. You have suffered enough for your mortal wife laughing at me. What? cried the spud strainer. Don't play dumb, and say hello to your son. The man couldn't comprehend any of this. His wife had been the cause of all of his misfortune, and now she would make him rich again. And he had just met this ten-year-old boy he had not seen since he was a newborn and was now being told he was his son. Had so much time passed? That is a, a loss to take in. It would be to a mortal brain, said the fairy wife. The years of scorn seemed to distance her from humanity. I thank the gods my boy will only be half moron. Don't speak that way about me. Or my son... Or my species. You're not my father, said the boy. Mother has told me how you cast her out. Cast her out? She left me and took you from me. You should never have taken that black-handled knife. There could be no trust between us after that. I am pleased you have met our son. But now you must go. Return to your mortal wife and your mortal lands and your mortal wealth. There was no more the spud strainer could say. He returned home, and everything the fairy wife had said came to pass. He became incredibly wealthy, had a family with his mortal wife, and led a long life dying comfortably in his bed. But never again did he see his firstborn son, and never again did he meet his first true love, the fairy wife. The End And that is the story of the fairy wife on Fireside. Quite an interesting tale, isn't it? Now, the big element that really made this story jump out to me at first was the mention of the black-handled knife. Regular listeners of this podcast might remember the black-handled knife as featured in the story The Fairy Horses. The black-handled knife is this element of Irish folklore that I only discovered for that episode and I've been keeping an eye out for it ever since. A black-handled knife seems to be one of the few, if only, things that can 
harm a fairy that can kill a fairy basically and that seems to be all that they're described as it's very um I think it's very Neil Gaiman-y, to be honest, that kind of element, very Terry Pratchett-y almost. And I'm sure, like a lot of elements in their kind of stories, would get their sources in this folklore mythology. But yeah, the black-handled knife, and that really, it acts as a, not necessarily a MacGuffin, but this this is a real element that can't be got past by the fairy wife. The fact that he took this at all, this is this is how much of a, feared thing they are to fairies because they are so powerful and can live so long and so strong and are so hard to kill and have so much control over mortals that this would be this absolute deal breaker because I've I've added a lot more colour and context to the version of the story I found the version I found was quite short but mostly things like dialogue and just making the characters more solid but that element is true that he takes the knife, throws it away before he gets home, and when he gets home, she leaves. Now, she seems to just leave apropos of nothing, but I think it's implied, and I would obviously have it said quite quite explicitly, that she leaves because he even took the black-handled knife. And that is an interesting element. You know, he doesn't give it back to the uncles when they hand it to him. Whether he just forgot about it or not, he still took that knife home with him. And despite the fact that he threw it away, he probably could find it if he wanted to as well. And so it becomes this absolute deal breaker. And then you have this, him marrying into, him marrying this new woman who unfortunately we don't really get to meet properly at all. He marries this new wife and she goes downstairs. You know, in the original story, it's all one room. And she wakes up in bed and just sees the fairy wife at the dinner table with the son in the same room. And she wakes up on a second knife, a second night <clears throat> knife, black handle knife. She wakes up on a second night and sees the fairy wife for a second time and then just laughs for seemingly no reason at all. Whereas I liked to add this element of it being just one night and her not knowing any context of this and just thinking that she's dreaming, kind of just letting out this almost nervous sound that comes across as a laugh, that it wasn't even a conscious laugh, and yet still their lives are ruined because of it. And that's how sensitive fairies are to mockery, and especially given in, given the circumstances of the fairy wife in her self-exile from her own home and killing all of her husband's livestock and all except for this one little foal, the poor little foal out on the island all on his own. And then in bringing the foal to market and coming in contact with the wife again and the wife giving him the money again. So it's amazing that she still has this power and control over him. And that was just, you know, she takes everything from him as the punishment, but she gives everything back to him as just this this reminder that, you know, you're your wealth and success or poverty is entirely dependent on my whim. You know, that she still remains in total control of him. And that he doesn't get to have this relationship with his own son, which is which is a sad element to it. Nor does the child seem to want any any relationship with his mortal father. There was another element I added which I liked as well, that since the fairy wife had opened herself up to the possibility of loving mortals by marrying one, the fact that it had not ended well would totally would totally um, take her love of mortals or 
it would just turn to total hatred for mortals for the rest of her life, you imagine. And that's what she would raise her child with, this half-breed child that she has, that she would want to nurture the fairy side of him and not the mortal side of him. And yet, obviously, there is still some part of her that loves the spud strainer, <clears throat> which is the title that I gave him. I think it's just the young man, the young man in the story. But that's the real classic thing in folklore is that characters were often just given their their job titles, so the tailor or the prince or the king and or a very generic name like Jack or Hans. But I hike we had a Pat Diver, the little sock seller. And so I liked here we have the the spud the spud strainer. What's interesting or what's kind of what a coincidence of it is when I was writing this episode last week, I actually was up in Donegal. I was in Letterkenny, was it? Was that where I was? Yeah, I was in Letterkenny doing a bingo loco, hosting a bingo loco gig. Um, That's where I was last weekend. I was, was it the weekend before? It was the weekend before I was in Letterkenny in Belfast and then last weekend I was in Longford on Saturday and I was up in Newry on Friday, yeah. So I've had a good bit of travelling in the last couple of weeks with the Bingo Loco gigs and still enjoying every moment of them. Which are, of course, the Bingo Locos are a very, very different kind of gig to the storytelling of Fireside. But yes, there's always an element that ties them together because I the Bingo Locos have taken me all around the country and I'm finding myself in counties and in towns and villages that I have never been to before in Ireland and... I'm trying to get the full 32. I'm trying to have, before I stop doing these Bingo Loco gigs, which I hope I don't for a good long while now, but I want to try and crack into each of the 32 counties. And I don't think it'll be long before I do, to be honest. We've gotten through, I haven't counted them up, but I think I'm past the halfway point for, for sure, for sure. But yeah, so it was nice being up in Donegal and writing this story about the Duny- about Donegal chatting to people up there and finding out where places like Glenties and the Rosses and all are, because these are still places that still exist and still are real towns. So that's always that's always quite cool. But I am going to wrap it up there. That is the story of the fairy wife. I think that's, that's all my thoughts on it. Um, but thank you so much for listening to this, this here episode of Fireside. Returning listeners, thank you so much. New listeners, thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you do, go back to the beginning pick and choose, have a look through some stories more, see what we've been building up to. It seems a long time since that first episode and I feel like the podcast is stronger and stronger each each time and each month. But there's definitely a lot to be said to going back to the foundations and seeing, listening to it grow and listening to the stories grow. I think that's that's all part of it as well. So yes, if you enjoyed, please do follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Please do continue sending me messages with your thoughts and notes on the podcast I always love hearing always love getting them through it's great it makes it feel like people are people are out there listening uh, this episode actually when this episode airs we will crack 30,000 listeners which is another incredible just milestone by milestone it's always good to to note them you know um, it's definitely growing and growing and that's really exciting and really gratifying and yes I'll hopefully have n- exciting news for you all next week re the immediate future of the podcast and I can't wait to give that to tell you all about that 
But we will see you all next week. You will hear us all next time. First of all, thanks so much to Jamie, my producer, and to Alan and Paddy here at Headstuff for continuing to produce this podcast. I love coming in here each and every week. It's still the best place in the world. And yes, thank you all so much for listening. And I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. Next time? Next time on The Fireside. By The Fireside. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.